Hello and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Hot Read. My name is Tyler Orjinski, and I will be your host this evening. Um, the pod is brought to you by FantasyHotRead.com. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a pod on under and overvalued players uh, for the drafts in 2019. So that's going to be players uh, come August next year that are going to be under or overvalued. And we're going to be talking about players as of today. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening with offseason, trades, cuts. But this is going to be how players are, as, are, are on their teams today. Um, the season might be over, but we are going to continue to get you content so you can get ready to dominate your 2019 fantasy season. I'm joined today with Dom Petrillo, the lead fantasy writer at Fantasy Hot Read. How are you doing, Dom? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's the first Sunday without football, although after that terrible Super Bowl last year, it almost feels like or last week, it almost feels like the third Sunday because you don't want to do the Pro Bowl either. But, you know, when it comes down to it, if we really need a crutch, we can go find the AFF on TV and see what's going up with some some of the players there. Yeah, it's, it's a little rough to not have any football this Sunday, but I will say that uh, the, the upside of the Sunday it is my mother's birthday. So I'd like to take a quick moment and wish happy birthday to my mother, Kelly. I love you. Never look better at 45. You're not supposed to give a woman's age, don't you? She's, uh, you know what? I'm not going to get in the middle of this, but I know she's not going to be happy with you. But happy birthday, Mrs. Orjinski, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful 21st birthday again. There we go. There we go, Dom. All right, so let's jump into it. So um, our very first player we're going to be talking about is uh, David Johnson. Dom, how are you feeling about David Johnson? Under or overvalue next year? For me, he's going to be undervalued. I know that, you know, based because we're basing this a lot off of recency bias of what he did this year. He only had 940 rushing yards this year, which, you know, a lot of that was to do with the McCoy system that was there. They brought in Byron Leftwich at the end, and he really did help him, but he couldn't help him enough to get him back over that thousand yard mark. You know, we look at him. He should have been an 80, 90 reception guy up there with, you know, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, he was only at 50 receptions this year. That's going to go up next year, I think, with this new offense with Cliff Kingsbury there. He's going to be severely undervalued. And I I say that knowing that he's still going to go in the first round, but he'll probably go in the frame of where Leonard Fournette was going last year in the 10th, 11th, 12th pick. And I would not hesitate taking him in my top five this year just because I think he is going to get back up to that level that he was at two years ago in the last season of Bruce Arians. What do you think of him this year? Do you think he's going to be undervalued, or do you think he's going to be right where he's at? You know, I think he's going to be a, a bit um, undervalued. Um, I think, personally, I would take him around maybe the 7th, slot as of today. I, I think the big thing for me is there's this um, idea that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's got this, like, all-pass kind of uh, air raid offense. But, you know, I was looking back at some of the statistics, and the running backs his last year had about 130 yards per game. So I feel like there's going to be this narrative about, oh, it's going to be a pass-heavy offense. The running back isn't involved. But, you know, when you got a running back like David Johnson, I think they're going to figure it out. Absolutely. And if you're looking at David Johnson, too, I mean, even if he is pass-happy, who do they have there to really catch the ball? They have... Larry Fitzgerald in probably his final year of a Hall of Fame career. They have Christian Kirk if he comes back healthy, and then that's it. So David Johnson, even if it is a air raid, he is a pass catching down back there. So he's going to be able to get some stuff done anyway, even through the air. Absolutely. Going to move on to the next player for me. It's going to be Devonta Freeman. Um, I believe Devonta Freeman will be undervalued next year. Um, you know, taking a look at his statistics, he's had five years in the league. Um, I'm going to remove 2014 um, as he wasn't a starter and then removing last year as he only played two games. So we have three seasons of data here. And those three seasons, um, he finished RB1, 
RB6, and RB13 in PPR leagues. Um, what sticks out to me about Devonta Freeman is he never went over 265 uh, carries in any of those three seasons, and he never saw more than 55% of the touches. So he's putting up these RB1 numbers um, with not a ton of volume, so he's extremely efficient. Um, on top of that, it's very likely that Tevin Coleman is going to be gone in free agency. Um, like I said, there's a chance he signs. This would change things, but as of now, Tevin Coleman is a free agent. Um, we have eight games uh, of data where Devonta Freeman played without Tevin Coleman. In those eight games, uh, Devonta Freeman averaged 19 carries, 80 yards, had five targets, and 40 yards receiving. And probably the kicker for me is in those eight games, he averaged 1.4 touchdowns per game. So, you know, there might be an Edo Smith role in there, taking some of the, the time, but Devonta Freeman has proven that he doesn't need the volume to be successful. And I, I think that Devonta Freeman should be a lock to be picked in that kind of uh, RB8 to RB12 range. What do you think about him? Absolutely. I, I've liked Devonta Freeman. I mean, as you said, he had 80 yards rushing and 40 yards receiving. So that's 120 all-purpose yards plus a touchdown. You know, so even if you're figuring that's 12, that's 18 points a game, he's averaging without Tevin Coleman there. Even if, you know, Edo Smith comes in and as you said, he's hasn't had more than 55% of the, you know, carries going forward or the touches. I think that's going to happen because I don't think that Edo Smith's going to get the 45 that Tevin Coleman was getting because I don't think he's as good as Tevin Coleman. So I agree with you. I think Tevin Coleman's going to be leaving. He'll probably end up in, I think, probably Buffalo. There's a good chance for him up there to take over for LaShawn McCoy. And Edo Smith may get 30% of the touches, but that still leaves 70% for Devontae Freeman. So I do think he's going to have a great year this year as long as he can stay finally stay healthy after the past couple years of some injury plague seasons. So I agree with you. I think he's undervalued as well. And the only reason I didn't take him is because he already did. <laughs> awesome. All right, moving on to our next player. Um, next player is Carrion Johnson. Is he undervalued or overvalued for you, Dom? I think he's going to be undervalued because you, you always look at a running back on a Detroit offense. You never want to take him. So that's just undervalued there. He only played in 10 games last year. But in those 10 games, he did have 640 yards r- rushing. He had the first 100-yard rushing game for Detroit since 2005, since Javad Best, and just, or yeah, since Javad Best. So, mm-hmm. you know, going forward, it's just, it's crazy that he's going to be undervalued. He'll probably go in the sixth or seventh round because people aren't going to want to take him. If he does go higher, you know, I would take him in the, you know, fourth or fifth round possibly because I think he can be a good running back too for you. And although everybody was so hyped about Philip Lindsay having 5.7 rushes per or yards per rush last year as a rookie, you know, I know it was only on 118 carries because he only played in 10 games. But Carrion Johnson wasn't too far behind with a terrible offensive line at 5.4 yards per rush. So he's right up there with Philip Lindsay. And I think that he's going to be a lot better than Philip Lindsay coming off the, you know, in 2017, he was the SEC, all SEC first team all pro it, for the le- division. And it's going to happen. He's not going to be, you know, a, probably a pro bowler, but he's going to get over a thousand yards this year. And he's going to bring some running to that Detroit Lions team. Yeah, I mean, I, you're talking to a Detroit Lions fan, so this is this is music to my ear. Um, but I think he he's in, he's locked in the RB two spot. Um, I think the one piece that I would add is the Lions hired um, Daryl Bevel, the former OC of the Seattle Seahawks back when they had Marshawn Lynch, who um, by all accounts seems to kind of have a, a run-first approach, which would fall in line with Patricia. Um, you know, I definitely think they add another running back um, somewhere along the draft or free agency, but I think the majority of the touches find their way to carry on Johnson, and, you know, he finds his way to rock-solid RB2 status. 
Um, moving on to our next player, uh, my next player is going to be Tyler Lockett, and I believe he's going to be overvalued. So Tyler Lockett finished the season in PPR leagues as wide receiver 18. Um, so he's a you know rocks out wide receiver two this year. But I think there's a lot of things that kind of went his way that might not happen again. So I, before I jump into some of these statistics, I want to shout out to Mike Tagliere at Fantasy Pros and his 175 facts column. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, definitely do so. There's some awesome stuff on there. So uh, Tyler Lockett this last season had 3.13 PPR uh, points per target, the most ever by a wide receiver since 2008. Um, also, um, over the last 10 years, only two wide receivers have finished in the top 20 with less than 79 targets, Lockett being one of them. And one of the more well-known stats is that when Lockett was targeted, um, Russell Wilson had a perfect QB rating at 158.3. And Lockett was only averaging 4.4 targets per game. So you look at what he was able to do with his targets, and it's absolutely amazing. He's one of the most efficient wide receivers this year. But the thing is, I just don't think he's at that elite level of talent and skill and ability to can, to put those numbers up again with the same amount of targets. Like too many things went his way this year for him to replicate that like wide receiver 18 status. And I think he's going to be picked as more of a wide receiver 24 to 26 in drafts, but I, I wouldn't want him any more than wide receiver three. How do you feel about Lockett? I agree with you, which is going to make us both enemies of Adam because he loves him. But I just, I agree with you. Like you said, he finished, with under 80 targets, obviously he finished at 18 and that just shows you how much, you know, yards per catch he had. And that's one variable that you can't really predict from year to year. So I think that's going to come down. And if that does come down and he gets the same amount of targets, that's, that's going to just lower him right away to a running to a wide receiver three. Uh, the other thing I don't like is that the, I know they did a lot of running this year and they were the top running team in the league, but they're probably going to keep doing that because it was so successful this year. So they're going to keep running the ball more, which is going to limit, what he gets from Russell Wilson anyway. Plus the big key here is that Baldwin's still there. He's only 28 years old. He was unhealthy for a lot of last year, missed a lot of games and he's sure to come back healthier this year, which is going to take even more targets. So he only had 79 targets or less last year. I think he's, he could go down to 65 or 70 this year. Plus with a reduction in yards per catch, it's going to go down. So I think, like I said, he's going to end up somewhere in the wide receiver, you know, 28 to 34 range. And as you said, he's going to be overdrafted at wide receiver 20 to 25 or so. So I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be overdrafted here as well. Awesome. Moving on to our next player, Ezekiel Elliott. Over or undervalued, Dom? He's going to be overdrafted, and he's going to be a great player. He's still going to be a top three or four, you know, running back, which is makes you think, why is he over going to be overdrafted then? Because he had... 90 receptions this year he's I don't think he has 90 receptions his entire career including college and now that they actually have a receiver there in Amari Cooper that's going to take a lot of those targets away from him and a lot of those catches away from him he's not going to get those 12 targets a game like he was getting there before Amari Cooper got there so I just I think that his rushing yards are going to stay the same he's going to be great in standard I don't think he's going to go down at all but in PPR leagues I think he's going to take a bit of a hit because he's not going to get he's they're not going to need him to catch those 90 balls because they're going to have they're going to have Amari Cooper Hopefully Michael Gallup takes a step forward. Uh, Jarwin got started doing some good things at the end. They're tight end there at the last part of the season. So with those effects coming in, I think that he's going to take a step back in the passing game and it's going to cost him enough points that it's just going to knock him out from like maybe being ability to be at number the number one running back to maybe the number three or four, possibly five. And as I said, that's if you're going to take him at number one instead of Saquon Barkley, that's where I have an issue. 
I think he could still he's still going to be a great pick for you at five or six, just ahead of David Johnson. But if you take him in the top three, I think you might be a little disappointed. Yeah, I think um, I tend to agree. I think I wouldn't, you know, if we're saying he's like the number one or number two running back, I would say he's a little overvalued. But I think he falls squarely in that three, four, five range. Um, to me, he's just just safe as it comes. He's the center point um, of that entire offense. I know they added Amari Cooper, but you know he just seems to be the guy at all points in times. The volume itself, um, you know, <laughs> the volume speaks volumes. Is what I was going to say. Um, but he, he he's properly rated, I would say. But if he does creep up to that one two range, he'd be overvalued for me. Um, the next player. I'd like to talk about is Marvin Jones, wide receiver, Detroit Lions. I believe he's going to be a bit undervalued this year. So he had nine games a season before he hit IR. And in those nine games, he averaged 12.8 PPR points per game. Solid high-end high wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one average. Um, and half of those games was with Golden Tate. So Golden Tate was traded to the Eagles around week five or six. Um, so there's, you know, there's four or five games there when we had Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay. Tate left. Marvin Jones saw about a 5% in his target share. Um, you know, now that Tate's likely not coming back to Detroit, you're going to be looking at just Marvin Jones and just Kenny Galladay. And just looking at how things are going, Marvin Jones is going to come a lot cheaper than Galladay come draft day. And because that's going to be because of a lot of the recency bias with how Galladay performed towards the end of the year. And rightly so. Um, Marvin Jones also finishes wide receiver 12 in PPR leagues in 2017. People are very quick to forget, but I think a lot of people are going to say like, you know, this is Kenny Galladay's, um, you know, he's the guy that's going to be the wide receiver, but Marvin Jones can coexist with Kenny Galladay and they both can um, put out great um, fantasy points. Cause I think 2017 we had Tate and Marvin Jones both finished in the top 15. Now I think the Lions offense might've taken a step back, but still, I think Marvin Jones could easily deliver wide receiver three value with the opportunity to get high-end wide receiver two value as the season goes forward. How do you think, you know, what do you think about Marvin Jones here? I agree with you, actually. I, I think that he's is going to be very undervalued. I would take him over Galladay just based on value. I wouldn't take him over him in the draft, but just based on value, I would take him in his slot over Galladay at his spot because I think they're going to be close enough in the rankings. Just like you were saying that two years ago that uh, – Marvin Jones was number 12 in PPR rankings while Tate was only 11 and they were taken extremely far apart at that point as well. So that, I think it's going to be the same thing here where they're not going to be far enough apart to, you know, that you need to take Galladay over Jones. So I would rather have Jones, as you said, I think that Stafford had a really bad year last year. Obviously he could be undervalued as well because they're going to see what he did last year and think that he's done. He's only been in the league for eight or nine years. He's not done yet. He's still just coming into his prime, which is sad to say, but he's going to have a comeback year as well. And I think that that's going to relate with Jones because they do have less weapons now without Tate there. Obviously they do have Johnson, which I said I liked and I do like Marvin Jones as well. And I think that if we had an overvalued player on here, I think it is going to be Galladay because I don't think he's going to take the quite the step up that everybody thinks he is. And I think it is going to be more of a timeshare between him and Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a 1A, 1B kind of thing, not a wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2. Uh, moving on to the next guy, um, Lamar Jackson. Under or overvalued, Dom? 
Oh, he's going to be extremely overvalued. Everybody loves the running potential of him. He had 659 rushing yards this year, which is, you know, that's wonderful. He had on 147 attempts, but you know what else he had on 147 attempts is 12 fumbles. You know, he had five touchdowns rushing, but he had 12 fumbles, which is terrible. If he keeps fumbling like that, they're going to have to stop him from running eventually. And when they do stop him from running, he can't throw the ball. He started 10 game. He started seven games from this year. He had 1200 yards, which is less than 200 yards per game. The wide receivers there aren't going to do anything because he can't throw the ball. Unfortunately, he's and I know people hate the comparison, but he just reminds me of a Tim Tebow, just more athletic. I think that he could develop because I think he does have a he does have a good enough arm. But last in 2017, seven quarterbacks finished with a completion percentage of 65% or better. Last year, 20 quarterbacks finished with a completion percentage of 65% or better. He only had a 58% completion percentage, which puts him in the bottom third of the league in percentage. He has to get way more accurate. He has to be able to use his receivers, which I don't think he's going to be able to do. There, people are going to start taking him as a top 12 quarterback based on his running ability, and they're going to be sorely disappointed when he finishes in somewhere outside the top 15 at the end of the year. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is he, he started in week 11, um, and then he proceeded to break uh, the record, I believe, for most rush attempts by a quarterback. So he has a record for most rush attempts by a quarterback, but he came in 11th in rushing yards by a quarterback. So he's not even running the ball that well. So I, I think I would tend to agree with you. I, I think he, he might deliver a stable floor, like around that like 15-point range per week, but I wouldn't be looking for him in anywhere but two QB leagues. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I wouldn't want him as my starter going into the year. Yep. Um, moving forward, uh, my next player is going to be Philip Lindsay. And to me, he will be overvalued. So he was undoubtedly the 2018 waiver wire gem of the year. Um, but because of that, I think there's people are going to be overdrafting him as well. You know, average five point, I think he's at seven yards per carry, um, which is insane. Um, I think Jamal Charles's career average is 5.4 yards per carry and Barry Sanders is 5.0. So you can't expect um, Philip Lindsay to keep that, uh, you know, yards per carry going as he moves forward. And I don't think he's locked in as the starter. Um, they still have Royce Freeman. There's a new regime in there, completely overhaul of the, uh, of the coaching staff. Um, and then he's also hurt. He's got a, he's got a broken wrist. I think he's out for four to six weeks. Um, you know, he's probably going to miss at least the start of OTAs. It's going to really give Royce Freeman an opportunity to take the reins. And I'm not saying Royce Freeman takes the reins, but I definitely think they're going to be looking at a, a little bit of a, a timeshare here between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And, you know, Philip Lindsay finished the season at RB 12. And if he's drafted anywhere near that, he's going to be overvalued. I do tend to agree with you. I know in my initial rankings, I had him higher, but with this uh, wrist injury, we have to see what happens coming back. I know David Johnson had the wrist injury a couple of years ago and it cost him pretty much the whole year. They could have brought him back at Thanksgiving, but still they, you know, they sat him out the whole year. So going, and like you said, they don't have any draft capital in Lindsay. He was undrafted out of Colorado. They do have some draft capital, although it's not a whole lot in Freeman. And they have been showing the past couple of years that they love using a committee down back. They did the same thing with CJ Anderson and Booker Booker's still there, although he's, might be fumbling his way out of a job. But, and the other problem I have with is no matter what, it is going to be a committee because Philip Lindsay is just too small to hold up. He's 5'8, 175 pounds. That's not going to hold up in the NFL when he's going against 290, 300 pound, 
you know, defensive linemen and 240-pound linebackers and even 200-pound cornerbacks and safeties. He's just going to he's going to get exposed. And I just think he's not going to be physically able to hold up in the bell cow down back like Ezekiel Elliott can or like a Todd Gurley can. So he's going to have to be a committee back. And he doesn't have the passing pass catching ability either, which leaves a lot to be desired. So in that sense, at, at best, I think he's going to be a the lead of a committee. So I think if you did, like, as you said, if you take him in the top 12, you're going to be disappointed because I think he'll finish somewhere in the running back two range. There we go. Next player on the list is Julian Edelman over or undervalued Dom. This is strictly on the Super Bowl. He's going to be overvalued. He had seven catches for 140 yards in the Super Bowl. You know, everybody loves him, but he's, he's getting older. We have to see it. You know what happens going into next year? Tom Brady is, you know, he was, Great in the postseason until the Super Bowl. He didn't really have a good Super Bowl. We'll see what happens again with him next year. If Gronk's not there, they're gonna everything's gonna switch over to Edelman and Hogan, and they don't have other weapons there other than the running game. So if Gronk does retire, which it is likely that he probably will, you know that I think they're gonna concentrate a lot more on the running game with Sony Michelle, James White, and Burkhead, and that's even gonna be a lot more for Edelman to lose his carries. He's not going to have the 100 to 120 receptions that he's usually known for. He's going to go down to the 70 or 80 reception. I think that he's only a year or two away from retirement himself. So I just think he's going to be overdrafted based on what people saw in the Super Bowl. They think that he's always totally back from his four-game suspension, and he's going to get drafted in the fourth or fifth round, and people are going to be psycho for doing that. They need to take him in the same area that they would take him, like a Marvin Jones, like we talked about earlier, in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. If you get him there, that's great. But I think people are going to reach and take him in the fourth or fifth round, and it's not going to be good for him at the end. Yeah, I, I you know, I tend to agree. I, I think one of the things that uh, has kind of uh, set me off in the last couple of weeks was this, this conversation. I think, I don't know who started it. It was NFL.com or Adam Schefter about Julian Edelman being a potential Hall of Famer, which is absolutely ridiculous on all accounts you know and it's like you just look at one game in the super bowl he did well is he a hall of famer and you got to look at guys like tory holt isaac bruce heinz ward i mean the list goes on of guys who aren't in the hall of fame that are light years ahead of julian edelman's success so um you know what do you think about all this uh, julian edelman uh, hall of fame stuff well, you know, we actually talked about this uh, a couple of days ago, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you look at it based on his last couple of years, yeah, he's had great years, but would you put Wes Welker in the Hall of Fame? I wouldn't put Wes Welker in the Hall of Fame, and he, you know, for all intents and purposes, had even better years with Tom Brady than Julian Edelman did, and he's nowhere near Hall of Famer, and it's for this, about the same amount of time. So if you're not going to put somebody like Wes Welker in, which he doesn't deserve to get in, why would you put somebody like Julian Edelman in? Yes, he's a solid wide receiver, you know, at at some games he's great, but one or two great games doesn't shouldn't get you in the Hall of Fame despite what happened with Terrell Davis. Yep, and then you know the last piece of that is it's like it's playoff. The playoffs are important, yes, but not every player gets to play in the playoffs. So it's it's a stroke of luck in a sense to be able to build your resume in the playoffs, and a lot of players aren't afforded that opportunity. So you know I think it's important to perform in the playoffs, but at the same time it it should the regular season to me should carry a lot more weight. Uh, moving Absolutely. on. Enough of the Edelman conversation. Um, uh, the last player of the, the 10 on this list is going to be uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, and for me, he's going to be undervalued. And, you know, I'm not the, the biggest fan of Jameis Winston off the field. But, you know, strictly looking at it from fantasy purposes, I think he has an opportunity to, you know, crack the top six next year. I think the Bruce Arians vertical passing attack really favors Jameis' skill set. I um, mean, you, you know, 
you got you look at last season if you were to combine combine um you know Fitz Magic and Winston's and mold them together into one quarterback they would actually finish as the QB2 overall just behind Mahomes um and then you look at you know they have Evans a uh, solid wide receiver one. They got Godwin, who I'm especially high on. think he's a budding star. Um, you know, they got OJ Howard, who has potential to put up top five tight end numbers next year. And they're likely to lose DJX or Humphreys, but I think they keep one of the two. I know DJX wanted out of the Bucks, but maybe Arians is going to be able to, you know, talk him into staying, especially considering the offense that Arians likes to run. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to be able to pick up Winston in that like QB 10 QB 12 slot um, with that upside to um, really, you know, become a top six quarterback. How do you feel about Winston? I agree with you. I think he could easily finish in the top five. I know it's weird with DJX because he said he, he'd love to go back to Philadelphia. Then he said he'd love to go to the Rams. And then when they hired Arians, he said, Oh yeah, I do want to stay here. Never mind. So we'll see what happens with him. He does have $10 million coming to him this year. I, I don't know if they want to pay that to him or if they'd rather give that to Humphreys. Cause I think you probably get, Humphreys for you know maybe two years or three years 10 million compared to 10 million for one year with Jackson and I would much rather have Humphreys over Jackson so I would I would hope he was there although I I'm a big fan of Godwin as well I love him as well I do think OJ Howard does might take a step back because Arians is not known for being a tight end friendly head coach but we'll see what happens there but we do know that he does have the weapons there and we're talking about Winston here. So, you know, as you said, I'm not a fan of his off the field either. You know, you wouldn't want to take him home and have him date your daughter or your girlfriend or your wife. You know, you might want to have him get married to him and then, you know, divorce him and get half of that money. But other than <laughs> that, you don't want him anywhere near him, you know, but other, yeah, I do on the fantasy football field. I do think he could be a top five quarterback at the end of the year. I completely agree with you there just based on being in the Bruce Arians offense. That's going to be very pass heavy like it was last year. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think the one thing just to, you know, d- dive into that thing is Arians didn't have a lot of success with, with tight ends, but he also got to look at, you know, who his tight ends were. I think he had like Jermaine Gresham, Troy Nicholas, Hausler, like, you know, he's never had a tight end of O.J. Howard's caliber. Um, but, I, you know, I think that's a conversation that a lot of people are going to be having leading up to the drafts when we're like talking about who's outside of that Ertz, uh, Kelsey, um, you know, Kittle range, who's that, you know, who's that four or five. And I think, you know, OJ Howard's going to find his way into that conversation along with uh, probably Hunter Henry. I, th- I think he will as well. I just don't know how good he's going to do. And don't search the name of Jermaine Gresham. <laughs> my bad, my bad. All right. So we have a bonus 11th player um, for y'all. So that 11th player is going to be Patrick Mahomes. How do we feel about Patrick Mahomes? He's going to be way overvalued, and we say this based on the fact that I believe both of us agree with taking a quarterback later in the draft, waiting until the 8th, ninth, 10th round to get somebody. And even if we didn't, I believe that you know he had 50 touchdowns this past year. He had over 5,000 passing yards, and that's all great and wonderful, but he can only come down from there. He's not going to keep stay at that pace, and we know that there's going to be people that take him in the first or even second round this year, and that's just way too high for a quarterback even Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be too high. If if he falls down to a value at the fourth round, even though I'm not big on taking quarterbacks high, if he gets down to the fourth round, I would take him there. But people who are going to take him in the first or second round over a player like, you know, even if we talked about, D, you know, uh, David Johnson or Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, if you're going to take Patrick Mahomes over a player like that, then you're not setting up your team for a lot of health and success in 2019. Yeah, I totally agree. Mahomes finished the season with a 8.6 TD rate. 
that's going to regress. I mean, that, it's the same conversation we had with Deshaun Watson last year. You know, he, he had the 9.3% TD rate that went down to 5.1. Um, you know, Bra- Tom Brady's career TD rate is 5.4. Mahomes just finished at 8.6. That's going to drop a little bit. Um, and, th- and there's like a lot of little statistics I've seen uh, about Mahomes that make me think, you know, that, that give me some pause. Um, his QB rating um, from a clean pocket, was 134.2, but it went down to 70.4 when he was under pressure. So that that's like a 64 point drop, um, you know, between a clean pocket and pressure. And that actually was the most in the NFL. Um, and then on top of that, um, he threw 92 passes that traveled over 20 yards. So he's throwing a lot of deep balls. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but he only had like a 15.9% um, deep ball percentage. Um, and he trailed guys like Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely kind of finding these little statistics to prove my point, but I'm just trying to say that he's not invincible. He's not this guy that you can guarantee is going to be the top quarterback every single year. He has some flaws, um, but he's not so invincible that you're going to take him in the first round. Absolutely. I mean, I know people say, and again, we talked about it. You can talk about it with anything, politics or whatever, that if you find 10 stats to point one way, I can find 10 stats to point the other way. And, you know, even Matthew Barry says that every year in his manifesto and, you know, and that's true. And, and we are just nitpicking because he was the best quarterback in the league last year. And we're not saying that you don't want to draft him. Obviously there's going to be people that draft him, but just, be careful and don't take him too high. You know, if you get him in the fourth round, that's great, but don't take him in the first round. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've been a, pretty much agreeing this entire show, which is great. Um, but he's the kind of guy where it's like fourth round. Yeah, I'll take him. But there's just too many good guys. Like a quarterback position with only one slot on a team is it's too replaceable. You can find somebody else late. Like don't waste that first second round premier draft capital on a quarterback when you can find somebody like Matt Ryan or Big Ben in the 10th or 11th round that are still going to finish top five or even Jameis Winston or even Jameis Winston that is correct so that is gonna you know run through all the players we had to talk about um do you have anything uh that you wanted to add Dom anything pop up in those conversations no, I think we did good. You know, it was a great quick show. We'll, you know, we'll let the people get out of here. I know it's the off season. They want to get back to watching Dancing with the Stars and The Bachelor and Paradise and whatever else reality shows these people watch, these young kids watch nowadays. But, you know, I just want to say it's been great working with you finally. I'm glad I was able to bring you on to the website. You're doing great work so far. And I can't wait to see your DFS articles starting next year. We're going to have DFS coming out, not just Redraft. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at EnvisionFF. You can follow my rankings on FantasyPros.com. And, of course, you can read all my articles at FantasyHotRead.com. All right, and you can find me, Tyler Orginski, at T Orginski on Twitter. And like you said, I'll have DFS articles popping up next season. And be sure to check out fantasyhotread.com. We'll have some content popping up as the offseason continues. That is all we have for today, folks. Um, you all enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully, you are somewhere warm. And don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name, I've got a name Like the singing bird in the croaking toad I've got a name, I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream 
that he kept here. me down the highway. Rolling me down the highway. Moving ahead till I won't 